Okay, so go to the Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and let's just read from verse uh, 15 this morning. It says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said once to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity uh, to come around your word and to study the truths contained therein. Lord, I pray this morning as we continue to consider the Christmas story, as we consider the shepherds again this morning, I pray that you would uh, speak to each of our hearts through your word. Lord, I pray that you would give me wisdom and guidance now as I speak. I pray that it be your words, it be your thoughts, and that, Lord, you would apply it to each of our hearts as you see fit. We pray that you be honored and glorified now in everything we do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, leading up to Christmas, of course, we've been looking at this passage here in Luke chapter 2, and we started by looking at the angel's proclamation to the shepherds, the angel declaring that Christ the Saviour is born. Last week we saw the, uh, the shepherds' response to the angels' message. We saw their, their faith, the evidence of their faith. Now we saw how upon hearing the message, you know, the responsibility rested upon them to then act in faith. You know, they had to make a decision. What are they going to do with this message that's given unto them? They had to act in faith and they did just that. They acted in faith. They went and saw for themselves, this baby that was born in a manger. They left their flocks and they immediately went to see the Messiah, Christ the Lord. But, you know, upon seeing Christ in the manger, you know, this was not the end of the story for the shepherds. You know, this is not where, you know, their story finishes. You see, we read now that after seeing Christ in the, in the manger they begin to go and proclaim the good news that Christ, the Savior, is born. Verse 17, it says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They begin to proclaim this wonderful good news that had been given unto them. You know, in essence, these men become the very first preachers of the newborn king. These lowly shepherds become the first men to proclaim this glorious message. Now it's this preaching of the truth that I want us to focus our attention on this morning. Now the shepherds, they could have just seen the Messiah for themselves and then they could have gone home. And you know, they could have kept the, the story, could have kept the message to themselves. 
but they didn't. The shepherds, you know, they couldn't contain themselves. They were overflowing with joy and they wanted everybody to know. Everybody to know what they now knew, that Christ, the Saviour, is born. And so they proclaim the truth. And this morning I want us to see there are three things about the shepherds preaching of the truth. First of all, in this passage we see when they preached the truth. We see when they preached the truth. Verse 17 it says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying. It's when they had seen it. In other words, it's after they've come to the stable and they've seen for themselves Christ the Saviour. After they've seen for themselves the truth of the angel's message. You know, the angel had given them a sign and said, You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. It's after they've come and they've seen that sign, they've seen the fulfillment of that promise for themselves, that they now proclaim the truth unto those around them. You see, the reality is unless, you know, we've come to Christ first ourselves and we've understood the truth, we have nothing to proclaim, do we? Unless we've got a personal experience with the truth, a personal experience with the truth being real, then we have nothing to proclaim, to preach unto others, to declare unto others. You know, that's the case here with the shepherds. You know, they wait until they have seen the truth for themselves they have a personal experience with the truth before they go forth and tell others. Now, you can just imagine the questions that they would have faced if they'd just come to Bethlehem and started proclaiming what they'd heard. You know, they would have faced questions like, you know, have you actually seen this baby? Now, and their answer, of course, would have had to have been, no, we haven't seen it. And then, you know, they would have had questions like, well, how do you know it's true then? How can we believe you if you don't know for yourselves that it's true? You see, because the shepherds waited until they'd seen the Saviour, they actually had a message to proclaim. They had something to say. They had a message that they could verify, they could claim to be eyewitnesses too. You know, they could proclaim to everyone around them, we have seen the Messiah, we know it to be true. We have seen the, the Saviour exactly where the angel told us he would be. He's over there in that stable. You know, they could point people in the direction, couldn't they? You see, they waited and so they had something to say. You know, one commentator I read this week pointed to a good illustration from the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, we have the story of Absalom and his death. You know, when the battle was over that day and Absalom was dead, a man by the name of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, he begged Joab, the captain of the host, he begged Joab to let him run with tidings to King David. He wanted to go, he wanted to tell David that what had happened, he wanted to tell him the good news. The battle was won. You know, Joab's response to him in verse 22 was this, he said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son? seeing that thou hast no tidings ready. Now, Job says to him, you're not going because you've got nothing to say. You haven't got a message. You have no tidings to declare. There was nothing prepared. You know, you had nothing prepared to say to the king. And so Job says, there's no point in you going. There's no point in you running. 
You know, he continues to ask Joab, he continues to pester Joab, and so Joab lets him run in the end to King David. And you know, his run ends up being futile, ends up being pointless. Because when he comes to the king, he's not prepared to say anything. He doesn't know what he's going to say. And in essence, all he says is this. In verse 29, he says, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. When he comes to the king, he doesn't have anything prepared. He doesn't know what to say. And in response, King David tells him, he says, turn aside. You know, stand to one side. And King David then waits for the other messenger to come the one who had been sent with the message that Absalom was dead. So the point here is that, you know, Ahimaaz was not prepared to run. He had no message prepared. He had nothing to say. He had nothing to declare. He ran before he was ready. You know, the shepherds here, they didn't run before they were ready. They didn't run and proclaim something before they themselves knew what the truth was before they had something to proclaim. They waited until they'd seen the truth for themselves. They knew the truth, and so they had a message to declare. Now, the same is true for all of us. You know, Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, if, you know, if we're going to be effective in proclaiming the truth, proclaiming the gospel message then we need a personal knowledge of the truth. We need to know and understand the truth. We need to study the truth, understand the truth, so that we are prepared to declare the truth. Now, last Sunday I mentioned the verse from 1 Peter 3, verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear says, be ready. We must be ready to declare the truth. We must be prepared to declare the truth. It's so important that you and I study and know God's word so that we have something to preach. Secondly here, we see not only when they preach, but we see what they preached. We see what they preached. Verse 17 again, it says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them, Concerning this child. The second important thing we notice here is that they, is what they proclaim, sorry, what they proclaim or preach under the people they meet. We're told in verse 17 that they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Now, in this little phrase here, we, we learn a lot about the message that they declared. We see, first of all, here the source of their message. We're told that they make known the saying which was told them. The saying which was told them. You know, the saying that's referred to here is the proclamation that was made by the angel of the Lord. You know, that saying, that proclamation by the angel was from God. It was God's message to them. It was God's divine revelation unto them. What exactly was this revelation from God? Well, verse 11. Verse 11, we read this. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, the angel declared to them that the one that was born in Bethlehem was the Savior, was the Messiah, was the Lord. 
And this is the message that they now carry forth. They carry forth the saying that was given to them. So the point here is that the source of their message is God. The source of their message is the word of God. It's what God has declared unto them. It's not their own message. It's not their own thoughts. It's the saying that's been given unto them. Three times in this passage, it's reiterated unto us that this was God's message to them. In verse 15, it says, Which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse 17, which we just read, it says, Was told them. And then in verse 20, it says, As it was told unto them. Three times it's reiterated unto us that this came from God. This is God's message to them. It's very clear where this message originated, where the source was. Now, this is an important point for us to understand when it comes to preaching and teaching the truth, when it comes to telling others about Christ. You see, like the shepherds, we're not to declare our own thoughts, our own desires, our own message. The message we declare is God's message. The message we are to preach and teach and tell others about is God's message revealed to us where? In His Holy Word. Now, the shepherds were given divine revelation by God. The angel gave them the same. And by the same token, you and I have divine revelation given to us as well. We have God's complete revelation to man here in our Bibles. You see, the point is, that is to be the emphasis of our message, God's Word. That is to be the basis of our message. You know, sadly, today, there is a lot of de-emphasis on the Word of God, isn't there? In a lot of pulpits, there's a de-emphasis on the importance of God's Word. There is a watering down of God's Word. And beloved, that must not be the case. God's Word is the foundation. God's Word is to be the source of the message. It's His Word. And we must faithfully declare it. You know, not only do we see the source of the message here, but we also see the subject of their message. Verse 17 again, it says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. The message that they preached was concerning this child. This is the subject. The subject is this this child they found lying in a manger, exactly where the angels said they'd find it. The subject is Christ. As they run forth telling everyone, the subject of their message is Christ. Now in the book of Acts, which we've been looking at, we've seen this idea of preaching Christ. Just turn over with me to Acts chapter 8. In Acts 8 verse 5, it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now, when Philip went to Samaria, what did he do? He preached Christ. That was the subject of his message unto the people. In chapter 9 as well, just quickly, chapter 9 and verse 19. It says, And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway... He preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Again, we've got Saul here. 
after his conversion. And what does he do? He enters into the synagogue and he preaches Christ unto them. You see, this is the only message that matters. It's the message of Christ. And this is the message that the shepherds go forth declaring. They go forth declaring Christ, the eternal Son of God, is born. The Savior is born. The Messiah is born. Now, the shepherds didn't go forth after seeing Christ in the manger and proclaim the message of Mary, did they? Which sadly is what the Catholics do, isn't it? Their message is all about Mary. You know, they didn't go forth proclaiming the message of Joseph or the manger or some other message. The message they declared was Christ. The message was all about Christ, this one born in a manger. You see, God had kept his promise to Israel and finally the Messiah had come. The Saviour had come. You know, the shepherds, they had their priorities right when it came to the message they preached, didn't they? Christ was the subject. And beloved, likewise, when we preach, we must preach Christ. When we witness, we are the witness of Christ and what he has done for us. You see, he is to be the very center of our message. See, the reality is without Christ, we have nothing to say, do we? We Without Christ, we have nothing to proclaim. Without Christ, our our message is not worth declaring. For he and he alone can save us. You know, the message that Christ, the eternal Son of God, was born in a manger in Bethlehem. That he grew up and he went to the cross and he died for you and I, was buried and rose again. That is the only message that will save. Christ is the only way. There is no other way of salvation. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting, everlasting life. Christ is the only way. Christ is the only one who can save us from our sin. You see, he and he alone is the source of our faith. And so the message we preach is to be centered around Christ. Because if you take Christ out, then we're not offering anyone any hope. Without Christ, there is no salvation. Now, it might seem like a logical point that our message must be centered around Christ. You know, sadly, the case is that many, many places today, Christ is being left out. You only have to look at Christmas in general and Christ is being left out, isn't he? Christmas is about Christ and yet more and more, we're taking Christ out of it. And it's not just by the world, it's by the church as well. We're diminishing Christ. He's been replaced by a social gospel. And you know, the reason is simple. It's because men don't want to hear about Christ. Men don't want to hear that they're sinners lost and on their way to hell in need of a saviour. But that's the message they need to hear. Just turn to 2 Timothy with me. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall he- they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, 
and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall return on the fables. Now here we have Paul declaring unto us this truth that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. Beloved, we are living in those days. Men do not endure sound doctrine. Men do not want to hear about Christ. The reality is the world in which we live, you know, do not want to hear that they are accountable to God. Do not want to hear that they are sinners, lost on their way to hell without Christ. You know, even though men may not want to hear the truth, that does not mean we should abandon the message. That does not mean we should not preach the subject, which is Christ. In verse 1 and 2 here of 2 Timothy 4, it says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. The answer is not to diminish Christ. The answer is not to try and preach a less offensive message. The answer is to preach Christ. Because he and he alone can save. But we must be faithful in taking the source of the message and preaching the subject of the message under this lost and dying world. Christ and Christ alone is the answer. Lastly, here we see where they preached. We see where they preached the message. Verse 17 again, it says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. We've seen when they preached. We've seen what they preached. And now lastly, we see where they preached. We're told in verse 17 that they made known abroad. They made known abroad. They wanted everyone to know what they knew. They wanted everyone to share in the wonderful message that Christ the Savior is born. They didn't keep this message to themselves. They didn't hide it. They proclaimed it right throughout Bethlehem. You know, these three words here, made known abroad, come from one Greek word, which according to the Thayer's Dictionary means this, to publish abroad and also to make known thoroughly. It's to publish abroad and it is to make known thoroughly. And so these words convey to us much more than just where they made it known, that they went and published it abroad. They express also to us the extent to which they proclaimed the message. They pu- proclaimed it thoroughly, completely, the whole message. In other words, they went right throughout Bethlehem telling all who would hear and they told everyone everything. They didn't leave anything out. They didn't hide any of it. They told them the whole message, the whole truth. You know, they told how the angel had met them in the field. They told how the angel had declared unto them that Christ, the Savior, is born. They told how the angel was then joined by a heavenly host, singing praise unto God the Father. They told how they'd come and found the baby, just as the angel said. They found Christ, the Savior. They proclaimed everywhere the whole truth. Now just think about that for a second. You know, these men were risking ridicule from everybody else by declaring they'd seen an angel. And not just one angel, they'd seen a heavenly host. 
You've got to think about it for a minute. There's been 400 silent years where God's really been silent. There hasn't been any direct revelation to man, no appearances of angels. Until Mary and Joseph, before that, there's been silence. And these shepherds are now running through the streets declaring, we've seen an angel. And we've seen a heavenly host telling us that the Messiah is born. They're risking being laughed at, aren't they? They're risking ridicule. They're risking their friends and neighbors turning against them. But you know, with great boldness, they go through the streets making known the whole truth. They tell all unto everyone. You know, like the shepherds, we have a responsibility to make known the whole truth, the whole message. To take the good news of Jesus unto all who would hear us. Well, we can't be selective. All mankind needs to know the truth. No matter who they are, no matter where they're from, all need to hear. Well, we have a responsibility to seek to reach this valley for Christ. To reach those who've never heard. But you know, as we go forth to seek the lost, to tell the lost, we must make sure we proclaim the message thoroughly. That we proclaim all the truth. You know, the temptation in this day and age is, you know, to seek to reach more. And by doing so, we water down the truth because that will get more to come. You know, the temptation to attract bigger crowds can lead to a corruption of the truth. As we said earlier, men have itching ears. They don't want to hear the truth. Men want to be entertained. They want to hear a nice message. They want to hear a feel-good message. And sadly, because this is so, many have watered down the message. Many have corrupted the message. And they justify it by saying we have a greater influence. Beloved, that's not the answer. We must not make that mistake. We must understand the full message here. When they made known abroad, it's they went everywhere and made known everything. Thoroughly. You know, we want to enlarge our area of influence, yes. We want more to hear. But we must not do so at the expense of the message. Now, I was thinking about it this week. You know, this is particularly so when it comes to our youth ministries, isn't it? You know, the temptation can be there to make it all about fun because that will attract the crowds, to make it all about entertainment because we'll get more young people. And, you know, we can justify it to ourselves by saying we're reaching more, we're having more influence. Beloved, it's never the way. We cannot diminish the message in an attempt to reach more or attract more. It's our responsibility to make known the whole counsel of God. Just turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts 20 and verse 27. Acts 20, verse 27, it says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now, Paul here speaks about the fact that he declared all the counsel of God. He didn't pick and choose. He didn't leave out parts that he thought might be offensive or people might not want to hear. He declared the whole counsel of God. Now, that's what these shepherds did. As they went forth with the message, they declared the whole counsel of God. They did not alter it. They didn't leave out parts. They made known abroad thoroughly the message given unto them. 
And beloved, we must do the same. We must take this message that's been given to us and with boldness declare the whole counsel of God. You know, may we learn from the example of the shepherds here in this passage. You know, may we study to know personally the truth of God's word so that we might then take the revealed word of God and declare the message of Christ in its entirety unto all around us. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for these shepherds. We thank you for their faithful witness of you, their faithful declaration of the truth. And Lord, I pray you would help each of us, Lord, who are saved, Lord, to take that same message, to be prepared, to know the source, to know the subject, and to declare it in its entirety, Lord. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here this morning who does not know you as their saviour, that today, Lord, they understand that there is no other way. There is no other way to, to heaven, no other way to escape the punishment of hell apart from Christ. He and he alone is the answer. I pray you work in hearts and lives now. May it will be done, we pray in Jesus' name.